it is time time to rhyme I, I, I feel like I should be saying you know um, walrusy poems about cabbages and kings because it's the Ides of March when kings die and mobs rule and empires are founded and well okay I've been reading a lot of Gerard about scapegoating and collective murder and the way in which throwing rocks into a pyramid on top of an innocent victim is in fact the origin of culture and civilization and realizing we are still in that problem that we've been talking about and we'll be continuing to talk about of what on earth is the trinity and tonight we have a very special meditation for you on having eyes to see that which you cannot see if you are not attuned to what kind of sacrifice christ made on the cross welcome to the mosaic ark now did you know so i i hope you all knew welcome podcasters those of you are listening on apple and spotify and amazon music and wherever else you can put in the rss feed we are now audio as well as video which means i realize do you realize do you realize what we've become now i i don't know i left for a day and came back and suddenly there was an rss feed <laughs> that's right since you i leave for one day and all of a sudden it's everywhere what are you doing and, and here and and mel who is our magnificent video editor thanks they those of you who watch on youtube and recognize we have all these marvelous 15 minute clips it's it's thanks to mel because she she snowboards her way through all of our our chatter and jibber jabber and and picks out the best moments of that so mel and I somehow managed to realize that we could put all of our audio, our audio um, that we get, we can in fact download as an MP3 off of unauthorized TV and put up for th those of you who listen, who, who, who prefer simply to listen. Although we do encourage you, we do encourage you to subscribe to unauthorized TV, to, to join us in the live streams and be able to chat with us and, you know, watch the, watch the images and so forth. Does, do you understand what this makes us now? We are live an unauthorized tv and of course also on telegram my channel fencing bear at prayer which means i am of course both professor rachel fulton brown and fencing bear at prayer and if you're just completely confused about who i am in telegram and Scylla marii which is the latin for handmaid of mary so we are live streaming on unauthorized tv and telegram we post videos which is our visual format 
at unauthorized and on YouTube. And now we are audio only in our podcast form through rss.com, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other places where you can stick in that RSS feed. So what does that make us? Viruses? No, what Trinity? Come on, work with me, lady. (laughs) (laughs) That I, it's like, so now this is, you know, I see you say we are live as the father, incarnate and visual as the son, and spirit only as a podcast. I am sure that's just straight up blasphemy, and now we're doomed. (laughs) The demons are going to come. The demons are going to come get us and tell us stop being so satanic and divisive. That's a hint. The uh, the digital crowds, the bots, or the people that act like bots, they'll come and chase us like John. Oh Lee. no! Yeah. So for the Money. for the, I don't actually have that in the pictures today. But if you if you came because you saw my ad, my ad casting today, with Johnny Depp being chased by a mob of ortho bros, and 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 the caption being, I only said, and the sun. <laughs> Which then, of course, with the filioque gave me my, my understanding of how we now exist in the digital realm as a, a Trinitarian manifestation. Because the, the father of all of the streaming records both the video and the audio for us. I also record it. I hope I'm recording <laughs> on my own laptop. So I'm not sure what that makes of the, but the father is the source of both the video and the audio, which therefore means the father, UATV, is the source of both the video that we put up I, if I, it would be a more perfect analogy if I put that video on the uh, the YouTube too, and now in the hopefully even more widespread format of the spirit flying simply as uh, I'm sure this is working right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I get chased by hordes of ortho bros as well. So. <laughs> and the sun. That's even without. <laughs> that's even without the filio claws. Well, the thing is, I think, though, I think our version is actually properly ortho because we get the audio only from the unauthorized. Mm. But that feeds into the video, mm. too. But the audio, the, 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 the pigeon, the messenger pigeon, the carrier bird version that flies on our electromagnetic waves as a dove, does it come through the sun or not? This is, <laughs> I'm not sure. You guys, you realize this is a long commercial to please subscribe to all of these different ways <laughs> to catching our live stream, which is both incarnate and digital. And we're trying to figure out what that means. Are there good analogies in our own experience for understanding that mystery that we call the Trinity? I think so. There's definitely good analogies for explaining the incarnation. Well, I hope so. So this was, you realize that this is the to be continued forever because we are going to always be talking about God in some form or other. But this is um, my continuing to be continued off of the intervention that Milo arranged with E. Michael Jones and Patrick Coffin and me to talk to Owen about the Trinity. And one of the things that I talked about there was this this analogy that I learned from Dorothy Sayers um, in her The Mind of the Maker for talking about the Trinity, which and it, it to this day still the most like living version of the description that I've ever come across. I, I do not like the scholastic 
logical dialectic version of things and you know that's one of the in the mm. in the uat community although <laughs> things have things have carried on in, in a rather different fashion from what we thought they would start with with a simple debate on the trinity but anyway the the, the orthodox <laughs> version of things that jim bob was trying to articulate of uh, the energies and the I, I the fulfillment i don't even know what he was talking about right it's a sort of definitional game that i have not chosen to participate in because I find it does not capture the living reality of the encounter with God that I think mm. is what we are praying for and, and certainly participating in the liturgy in the in the hope of touching anyway well go the, ahead it's it's like it's like explaining sheet music note for note and with all of the notational marks and the um uh you know what's it called the time signatures and everything versus sitting down and listening to the whole symphony it's just a completely different experience she does it so much more concisely than i do exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me and my linear verbal it read endless books from the kilt says it's listening to music yes exactly yeah, yeah. And and well, it's go ahead. Surround sound. It's surround sound. God in the liturgy. So we have to like step into that experience, and it's not really something that you can accurately describe if you're just uh, going over the particulars of sheet music. I mean, it's good for some people, but not for uh, not for for others. Especially if you're inclined to want to have an experience. Uh, and the. Uh, well, when we talk about expose uh, your your senses at the same sorry, time. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, I'm talking. I'm excited in talking about it. It's like we talk about our God as a living God. We want to live with Him. We want to live in Him. Yes. And, and it's a sensory experience as well as an intellectual experience. And somehow, those scholastic definitional descriptions, to me, you know, get simply to that intellectual thing and lose out everything that you were just describing. And I talked over you on. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what happened to the cops it's appropriate <laughs> um but it, look it's 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 a tricky thing because if you come if you come into exposure to orthodoxy online you're instantly going to be smacked in the face with that kind of scholasticism because that's how it's translated on the internet with the debate me bro uh, approach, which works for some people. I mean, so, you know, there are a lot of people who need to um, to have church matters explained to them like that. But I didn't come into orthodoxy like this. So for me, it was like looking at a foreign language. Mm. Uh, sort of, it, it was like hearing the symphony and then learning that later on people had such thing called sheet music and, and musical notation. Right. Whereas oh, I just knew it. Oh, yeah, that's just music. <clears throat> completely different um a completely different way of of seeing of seeing the church i don't think one is better than the other it's just uh we i think westerners now they they're over reliant on the scholastic because westerners are really really intellectual they really way, way too heavily reliant on the intellectualism well, it's the scientist scientism and the and the fear the fear yeah. of seeming irrational. Thanks, thanks, enlightenment. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, the, the 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 fear of being made seem to be foolish because you can't 
you know, go up against the, 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 um, I mean, not even the mathematical debate stuff, which, which I think Owen has rightly called people on, right? Saying, he's like saying three, three, mm. you know, it's the, the, the mathematical analogies are not in fact a proof of anything that they, they, they're, they're, they're nice, um, mental sort of models potentially, but they don't convince me. I mean, the, the, the Pythagorean triangle stuff doesn't convince me either. Um, and so, yeah, the, I, I often feel like Johnny Depp being chased by guys with lightsabers. <laughs> not not just saying, and the sun, but saying, you know, can you prove this? Prove what? Right? I'm trying to mm-hmm. prove my faith. I can't prove to you faith. Um, I can try to give you descriptions of things that seem to make sense to me and that chime with my experience but that faith only comes as i experienced it simply as a gift of the spirit it's it's there and Mm. and and the thing is i think it's it's probably i mean it's our experience it's always there the gift is being constantly offered to us and the problem being whether or not we can perceive it if that's accurate yes if your ears are open and you can hear the music or not. Right. Or your eyes and what you, what do you see and what can you see? So there's a, there's an open parenthesis here that, um, the, the, um, the book that, that Jyothi Sayers wrote about where she talks about the Trinity is called the mind of the maker. And and now I can't remember whether I've talked about it with you on the streams, but I'll, I'll, everybody knew, here you go. Um, that she she says well you know it's 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 foolish to worry about using metaphors to talk about god because everything we talk about is in metaphor that language is mm-hmm. inherently metaphorical and that it's it's always pointing to things um through analogy and primary you know pr- pr- fundamentally saying that you know well we use anthropomorphisms to talk about god it's like we use anthropomorphisms to talk about everything <laughs> because she says that's our only yardstick yeah. we are human so if we are talking about flies or dogs or mountains or rivers or planets or the solar system or anything, we're always talking about it with ourselves as the yardstick for understanding. So to say, oh, we shouldn't talk about God using human uh, um, categories. It's like, well, what else do we have? Those are what we have. We, <laughs> we have human, a human yes. understanding. So the the kind of put your brain in some put your brain somewhere else that it isn't. It's like well, think like an angel. We don't know how. We have to you know. Mm-hmm. So we we think only in in analogy and metaphor about anything, not just God. Yes. Step one. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> Sorry, my brain just went. Go ahead. Yeah. The well, it's a it's just words as polaroids of. Um of um of things isn't it i mean that's how human beings have created their language taking little uh sonic polaroids of things and and you know arranging them in a particular way um how could you make yeah how, how you couldn't represent something that you had no uh that was beyond your own ability to see it's not possible Right, and that we put we put things together in our imagination from things that we've seen. So mm-hmm. the the fancy word here is mimesis. Class, repeat after me. 
(laughs) (laughs) which means um like representation or imitation um it's we've been talking about mimetic when we talk about Rene Girard and that comes from this representational copying imitation um that, that everything that we do I mean we say it's art right that and E. Michael Jones has actually been talking about this over the last year or so that, you know, beauty is the, our mimesis, beauty and art is our mimesis of nature or creation or our response to, you, you were just now talking about music, right? The, the degree to which we are, you know, trying to represent our experience or apprehension of whatever it is that we call creation. And creation, of course, it, I mean, if, in the creed, we talk about creation as both things visible and invisible, so that we understand that there are cre- creatures there that we don't have sensory perception of, like angels, mm-hmm. um, and that the the invisible world is as real as the the visible world, and that God is creator of all of those things. So the degree to which we try to represent these creatures in our own creations, it's it's all imitation. The, this mimesis is is our imitational act, and that I mean, what Gerard Rene Gerard talks about is is how pretty much everything we do as human beings is is founded in imitation, um, primarily socially of each other, so that we see someone doing something and we want to imitate that, and that's how we learn, right? If you how do babies learn language? They learn it by imitating their parents and people around them speaking. So that you're you're always we couldn't learn if we couldn't imitate. Mm. Yeah, that baby gargle, where they're trying to figure out the the way to move, and what one of the reasons why the the masking of uh, the masking that happened during the COVID era was so disastrous for for um, developing children when they were very young is because they they couldn't develop because they lost mimesis. They'd lost an ability to mimic what oh, yeah. the people were doing with their their mouths and facial expressions so it is a huge part of developing as a human being being able to mimic and copy and mirror back what you see and particularly as you're saying faces um, that we're always the, the, yes. the thing and the thing that we mirror most is each other's faces yes. always so it's it's we're mirroring you know mirroring faces in our um emotional expressions and in our reactions to beauty and um in our you know feeling of belonging in a group all all of those things comes mm-hmm. comes out of this mimesis of of each other and as gerard talks about it although he doesn't really talk about it this this level at least anything i've read yet but that um this this kind of mirroring this imitation that we we do with each other ramps up the more we're sort of you're in a group right and it's we want to understand mm-hmm. I, I think i think you and i've been touching on this already but i'm like put it all back in the put all back in the moment that if we want to understand why the the covid stuff played out the way it did it's because we're so mimetically mm-hmm. inclined just, we're going to copy each other it's not mass formation mm-hmm. so you know just it's the, how does the mass formation work well it's because we're imitating each other and that 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 seems to amp up things things are trending on the internet and in real life mm. Mm. yeah well it's difficult to not be a part of the group it's difficult to be the um the anomaly 
from any group. It's not a comfortable experience. It can be quite painful. But, but it's interesting <clears throat> that it is painful. It's like saying, I'm not imitating everyone else correctly. Mm. It's very, mm. very painful not to be in sympathy and harmony with the way the, the rest of the group is behaving. I'm wondering why, where this comes from. Is it, is it just a, do you think it's just a survival thing or is there something deeper to it spiritually? Well, the next thing that Dorothy Sayers <laughs> is that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, so that's interesting because she says that, you know, what do we know about God? Well, what we know about God from the Bible, the first thing we know is that he created and, and, and what is interesting is that the scriptures are rather frustrating. If you want to read them, say mythologically to find out what the Lord is like, like, you know, Yahweh or, or, you know, the creator, basically what we know of God from the Bible is he created. And that's where, that's where Sayers starts. She says, we're, you know, the, the one thing we, we have information about is in the mind of the, the, the mind of God is he's a maker, he's a creator. And the, the second thing we know is we're made in the image and likeness. And so therefore imitate the making and, and that, you know, that being the, I mean, to your question, I don't know why it's so painful, right? It's, it's very interesting to mm -hmm. say it's, it is incredibly painful not to be imitating each other. And that, that same painfulness presumably also afflicts us when we're not imitating God, because that is in fact the image that we're made mm -hmm. to be imitate, imitating. We're made to be the likeness of our creator. And then what Sayer says is so, you know, we're, we're, anything that we can know about God is only through that reflection, that imitation. And therefore what we have to understand is the act of uh, the act of artistic creation i mean in, in her in her metaphor she's saying that's the, the mind of the maker is what we we are most mirror most um invited to mirror by our creation does that make sense yeah it okay. does it does i'm just thinking then it's uh this pain of being outcast from the group and not mimicking the group is somehow connected to a, a removal from creative capacity mm. because human beings are uh, as we've talked about naturally city dwellers naturally creators of cities uh humans live in tribes groups we're not independent we're not uh we're not able to live alone. Even in the beginning, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So he makes a help meet for Adam. So it, it seems like this inbuilt need to be with people and then having that uh, connection linked with our creative capacity somehow. Mm. Primarily, <clears throat> excuse me. Primarily, obviously, it's a biological procreation, but then it extends into everything else. Well, it seems to be so. It's 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 on the one hand that you know, as babies, we have to imitate. I mean, what the other thing? I think Gerard does talk about this, saying we don't really have instincts. I don't know about that. I mean, it's the, 
Stephen Pinker wrote about the language instinct, right? And saying, okay, so we are, we do, we're sort of, we are inclined to, and, and there's certain capacities that we have and we just have them as, as human beings, one of which is to speak, it seems to. Um, But given the, the enormous range of things that we're able to learn to do, uh, skill skill wise mm-hmm. and we we do we own you know we can we learn them by imitating people who have practiced them previously so everything that ramps up for us i mean our entire sort of experience of being civilized cultured city city dwellers something like that cities are going to come in this because they're founded on murder okay um <laughs> that, that it all <laughs> it all depends on our ability to participate with each other in this mimesis Mm. And so that the, the Gerard would focus on the mimesis and then Sayers focuses on, okay, so the mimesis of God, which this one more step of getting to the Trinity, the Trinitarian descriptions, he says, so what we understand is what's a work of art. If it were sort of when we're, we're creating things, we're mimicking God, what is it we're mimicking? And this goes back to my, my little analogy about you, our UATV live streams with our videos um, and, and then our podcast, uh, you know, audio and, vid- and visual. Um, that the best analogy I've ever seen for the Trinity is hers, which is saying it's like a book. Okay. So our tech is a book, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's funny. Isn't you make the world and it's like a wheel and then everything's like wheels. And then you, you know, you wait, no, it was, it was a funny, it was a funny, uh, meme that what it sees you've invent wheels and Hey bro, everything's a wheel. And you invent books. Hey bro, the world's a book. And then you invent, you know, mechanical clocks. Hey man, the world's a Hey, bro, the world's a mechanical device. Now we're on computers. And so clearly what it is, but with going with the book (laughs) that it is, it has a, it has a Trinitarian reality, which is first, it's an idea, right? And she talks about the ideas, like the image of the father. You have an idea for a book. How many people have you ever met? It's like, I I could write a book. I've got an idea for a book. It's all this. And you know, it's like, I've got, I'm going to write a book. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Fine. What do you have to do in order to write a book? Second person, you have to suffer <laughs> because inc- <laughs> incarnation is in time, right? The, your, the idea for the book may exist yeah. all in your head in a flash. Great. But if it's going to exist actually as a book, you have to sit down and write it, right? Which is compositionally, mm-hmm. wh- even whether you're the one dictating it and some scribe is copying it out on, you know, wax tablet or something like that, you still have to in time breathe it out right? Incarnate it. Mm. And that as every author knows, if you've actually ever written anything that takes labor and suffering and passion. And so Sayers is brilliant when she's thinking about Christ and Jesus Mm. as incarnate in time, because she gets the problem of writing a story, right? So there's the Mm -hmm. idea and then there's the energy, she says, that goes into the incarnation of the book. And then once the thing is, as it were like mine that I have on my lap right now, written out (laughs) it exists in the world to affect other people and then she says that's that's like how we understand the spirit acting back on and and you could say your own book Mm -hmm. acts on you once you've written it it's like once once you've written this book you know it that it it exists and and then it and then the thing is it exists all at once as it were right once you've incarnated it through its composition it then completely exists as the published thing which then can you know, in media terms, affect many, many other people because it's now existent. But you did actually have to go through Mm -hmm. that incarnational process of writing it in the first place. So simply saying you had the idea for the book 
And then she goes through this lovely thing in the mind of the maker, how there are all these different heresies. If you don't actually have the father, the son, and the spirit working together, there's no book. There's mm -hmm. no, there's no acting in the world um, on, on human souls. If you didn't actually write it out and publish it. Now that makes sense because it could be a book. Uh, it could be a narrative story or it could be a book of sheet music, but the same thing applies. It has to be right. performed in order to be um, acting on other people. And then of course, even if you write, if you write a piece of music, you can listen to it and it can affect you back. This makes perfect sense to me as opposed to people arguing over the, the, um, the font or, you know, the other details, which seems to be the... <laughs> yes, the arguing over the font. You know, why, like, why did why yeah, did you use Palatino <clears throat> and not Times New Roman? Well... <laughs> this typeface is ugly. I don't care. That's not the point. <laughs> well, but you might want to choose yeah, the most beautiful. Yeah. So, and I, I, I should say I just yes. misspoke. The publishing of it, you don't have to publish as another... That's Maybe that's the missionizing, right? The book exists once you've mm. incarnated it, and there's only one copy. It still can work on people in a way that... If it was just in your head, it couldn't. So, I, mm -hmm. and and this this I I have tried to you know I like this I use this metaphor when we talk I talk about Tolkien's understanding of creation, um, and and you know Luvatar speaking or playing the music or proposing the theme because it, it's a similar sort of understanding of creation as a work of art and the effect of art on others once it's been manifest, mm. but that 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 incarnational element of creativity is the the father breathing you know the 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 son carrying the it's it's why in 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 christian theology we say that the the creation is through the son that the father is working through the son to to to, to make things and in medieval iconography it's always christ who is the one that's creator because it's through the son that all this fashioning happens the making part yes he's the carpenter right <laughs> yeah yeah now this makes sense um, so you see you have to record the videos to send them out so we do them live and you know anyway it, all metaphor all metaphors <laughs> are ultimately inadequate but the process of understanding ourselves making in the image and likeness i i recommend mm -hmm. sayers as, as a very energizing metaphor of idea energy and power and then you realize it is all one thing the book is still one thing but it has these and maybe that's modal. I don't know, but it it, it seems to fit. I mean, it's certainly better than the Trinity as a three as a three pronged triangle or something, which is not as dynamic. Well, it's not human. I mean, if you if you like humanity, it's very difficult when someone wants to run up to you and say, "Here, watch me explain God in." in shapes <laughs> you know <laughs> it makes me feel like i'm back in primary school with my teachers saying you have to learn this i say why i don't want to learn about it right you know because you need to because it's important okay and then you know the brain goes Boo! you completely tune out because there's no relevance to anything uh if it's if it's not humanizing or if it's if if, if there's no link to uh, us, again, that kind of goes back to uh, us measuring everything by being mm -hmm. human beings. But uh, 
very few people are going to sit there and get very excited over shapes. The Pythagoreans were weirdos because they were running off and having a, a little secret club of, of people that were getting excited over shapes. But that, you know, uh, that's not normal. It's not that it, it, most people are not, uh, are not going to want to connect with God via a triangle. Um, well, the triangles are more like angels. They're 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 mm. discarnate, and 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 of mm. course Christ connects with us through the incarnation, which is why it's so necessary. I mean, this is uh, my frust my large frustration with the Trinity discussions is it shouldn't be about the Trinity; it should be about the incarnation. We should start there, because mm. that's the only way we have contact with God. The way God reveals Himself to us is through these workings in time because we're incarnate and he made us incarnate. So, you know, the sort of incarnation as communication with us, mm. all, all of the sort of proving the Trinity without us in the picture. Well, we can't because as Sayers points out, we can't think about anything except through our own experience. And, and mm. so everybody is, we have more people listening. Um, uh, um, let me have to say, maybe I should catch up on my, uh, our chat. Um, so welcome everybody. We got Lodi No More, Casey, and Lodi No More and Casey have been talking a lot. Burning Pitch and, um, yeah, Casey's saying writing is easy. You simply sit down at the typewriter, open your veins and bleed. We're going to, we're going to be <laughs> bleeding in a second, right? Yeah. Casey, that's automatic writing centered on you. Well, Okay, Lodi, it's a metaphor for the difficulty involved in creating. Lodi, no more. A rare copy. Haha, ha, all good. Right in the morning then. Well, <laughs> okay, so we're we're inspiring them to worry about what this this incarnational exercise is like. That 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 that's a, that's the first step. Okay. So who was Jesus? More to the point, because we're talking about the death today on the Ides. Mm -hmm. Why does he die on the cross and then I think more specifically, what do we see at mass? We need some pictures now because we can't, we can't do this without images. Salvific, satanic, satanic, salvific. What's the difference between these two sacrifices? <laughs> First twin of the day. First twin of the day. This is our only twin. I really, I showed this one last week too. And um, we still need to think about this twinning. This is, this is the big one because in mm. You know the study of religions and in human you know human history in the history of the west in particular it has become the fashion to claim that these two pictures are identical the aztecs um cutting people's hearts out and feeding the sun with the blood mm -hmm. is in fact mythologically speaking or so the argument goes the very same thing as looking at christ on the cross and recapitulating that sacrifice in the mass it is our problem today to figure out why this is not so <laughs> <laughs> just a or, small problem just a, a teeny weeny <laughs> little problem that will overturn the entire you know culture war claim that all cultures are the same and we should be multicultural no we shouldn't we should be christian and we're going to try to explain why and also explain why in the course of one video no we might make several um it is not sufficient simply to hold the cross up and say this is our banner rally around it let's go to war days will mm. guys 
That's not going to no, do that's it. That football team. It's not going to do know, it. You, yeah, you don't get to just be Aztec versus you know Christian and and um, you know rally and and fight on teams. No, I have to put a little uh, a little asterisk into this because Australians tend to use the word multicultural as a euphemism uh, a euphemism for multiracial. Mm. Um, but there are different categories. So when we say multicultural, we're not talking about ethnicity. We're talking about culture. We're talking about religion. When you and I, yes, we're talking. Yes. We're talking about cult. Yes. We're we're actually talking about because, worship. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> or cultivation, say, or all those things that are actually say, cult cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if no, if I say in Australia, I, I'm against multiculturalism. People are. Uh, and sh you know they're they're shocked and they're outraged and they think I'm. <laughs> yes, we need to distinguish before them between cult and uh, the, the 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 mass and Pentecost. Yes, definitely. So, okay, so we've got the two. Tw we've got the twin pairs there. Mm -hmm. We've got the uh, the Aztecs, and then we've got christ in the in the mass and these two uh rituals are the basis of the cultivation of of of, of people right these are two different cults so this is the basis of cultivating this is the basis of creating the culture it's got zero to do with uh ethnicity and everything to do with the orientation point for um for the human soul so i the thing is i think you th th there there are th there's a reason that there's an am, uh, ambivalence um equivocation in your australian use of multicultural to say ethnic because there is a way mm. in which the cult is the ethnos so you know i, I well i agree with that yeah, but yeah, no, no, i, I no, just I, have I, to I, like break it down to the basic stacy's in the back because otherwise they'll say that. well this is what we're trying we, to do right and, like and I, I i just like i i do have my rene gerard these are the two that i've read so far the scapegoat and this is what i'm reading right now i see satan fall like lightning i i recommend i see satan fall like lightning if you want the the kind of easy read version where he's he's figured it all out and he's laying it out very clearly um scapegoat mm. is still a bit of a exploration and it's 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 also coming at the end i'm reading them in reverse order i haven't read violence in the sacred yet and then there's another one things hidden before the foundation of the world reading list um that what gerard is trying to explain is in fact the origin of culture and the origin of therefore hum I mean, human society, civilization. Mm -hmm. And he makes a beautifully strong argument for the, you know, the, the, the gospels are different from every other human religion. And we're going to try to show you why he thinks that over this video and several others probably, but the stepping, starting with this problem of what the sacrifice is and why mm -hmm. the, the, the Aztec human sacrifice is different from Christ's death on the cross, even though in many ways they can look very similar. Okay, th that was yes. a bit of a footnote, sorry. Um, culture, th 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 there is a way in which the culture, this, this sacrifice creates the people. 
It's mm-hmm. exactly what creates the people. Therefore, it is actually ethnic. Okay. Okay. So maybe it's like let's go to. Uh, I'll, oh, I'm following. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna following. I'm gonna focus in on. I, the- have, I have to get Australians. I look. This place is the dystopian, utopian nightmare of the Enlightenment. We have to explain to the Australians why this is important because we are not having this discussion yet. We're ten years behind you guys. I'm not sure we're having it yet. This is this is I'm having it. You're you and I are having it. <laughs> right. But <laughs> I think for no, sense. for the most part, the United States, even even so far as we have things like America First now, I mean I do those guys good, you know, and hi Gab and, and everybody, but you guys are missing something. <laughs> um, and you know, the the the, the, the Nick Fuentes crowd and so it's saying Christ is we need Christ, we need Christ, we need Christ. I have yet to see anybody in the public conversation, anybody, right? You, 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 in the comments, you can say whether or not you've heard anybody, but I have never heard anybody actually lay out the, the argument in the way that we're about to try to, to make it necessary for Christianity, but not make it into yet another of these um, ethnic red team, blue team, red team, blue team, ethnic cults. Exactly. And, and and this is, I mean, this is what people fear. It's like, Oh, you know, you just say your God is the, the only God, but what about this other group of people? They say their God's the only God. Clearly we just have battling gods and you should stop, you know, arguing that yours is the only one and stop trying to make everybody be Christian. I'm sure you've heard that, right? (laughs) One audience. Yes. (laughs) Audience. Well, they're relegating religions to being, um, soda pop. So it's Coke versus Pepsi from the vending machine because that's how the that's how our I mean this is how Western civilization sees religion you know you choose Coke you choose Pepsi it's Dr Pepper Mountain Dew whatever everything's equivocated it doesn't matter right and 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 what we need to, to sort of the first step here is to unpack why Western civilization sees religion that way as as mm-hmm. you know vending machine choices of different sodas yep yep. Okay, everybody ready? Um, so what what do we see uh, right now? What I'm showing on on the screen is that this this um, it's a Spanish drawn image of the Aztec sacrifice, where the the victim is lying on his back. I I I understand from the Mel Gibson movie Apocalypto why they have to lie on their back because that 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 means that you can just cut under the ribs right and pull the heart out. Yes, I, I don't. Th- I don't think I'd ever appreciated that. Why? So they've thrown him. They, they've got him over his back so that he can pull the heart through out from uh, through the gut, I guess, und- under the ribs. And what what's very interesting in this image is we have the heart sort of flying up to up in the air, which seems strange, um, on this ribbon of blood. And according to the myth, apparently, this this is the way the sun gets fed. So they're feeding their, in their, in their minds, they're feeding the source of all life with the hearts of human beings. Right. And that with how, without that, without that blood source, the sun goes out. Interesting. So for them doing this ritual, doing this human sacrifice is literally a matter of life or death. 
Right. For for it's 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 it's, it's a matter of existence for the whole physical world because they mm. see the sun as feeding on these these blood gifts um and therefore they also see it, it this this I mean, it's this is one of the reasons that in the the multicultural debates it's sometimes been argued well but those those victims the the the, the people and i think they're usually men I don't think they did women. No, they did do women because Diaz sees them in the in the in the cages. But um, the, the the people who are killed in this way do it voluntarily. Is that accurate? <laughs> I mean, that 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 uh, we you know one of our famous accounts of you know how these people are collected together is in Bernal Diaz's account of the conquest of Mexico, and you know he said the Spanish found them all in cages, um, collected to be sent. I mean, it seems like they're taken as prisoners of war, um, uh, mm. captives, and sent as tribute to the from the surrounding towns to Mexico City, where they're they're sacrificed. And that this this that the whole I mean, this is in Apocalypto. It's really well done, right? Just saying that the whole group, the whole crowd, Gibson did a beautiful yeah. Watching show. this ceremony sees it as necessary for their own flourishing. Mm. And 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 in in the movie in Apocalypto in the movie they do it well because the men you know sort of as they're about to be sacrificed are telling to each other like die well, right, um, die courageously, so that you don't you know don't go yes. weeping and moaning and so so there's a dignity to it in the the sacrifices. I so in my head now I have this picture of Aztec life. And the entire economy of the Aztec civilization relies on this sacrifice. Mm -hmm. This is central to their economic understanding because they're still agrarian. So they need the sun. The sun is the source of everything. So this human sacrifice is central to the currency of the Aztecs, which is sunshine, to grow their crops. So it really wouldn't matter if they were volunteers or not because the i mean in their head i'm just thinking like the they're completing they're completing a circuit so volunteering or war captives it wouldn't matter because in their heads they're just feeding they're feeding the battery of their civilization I've, i find it very interesting that modern people are, are trying to justify this by saying it's voluntary oh well it's like it's like it's like justifying indentured servitude you know Oh, you're a slave. Oh, it's okay. You're indentured, so it's not it's not real slavery. You're kind of semi-volunteering. <laughs> it's very odd. Sort of a very tricky category distinction there. And yet, we just did it. As Casey said, sounds like the Aztecs were worried about global cooling. <laughs> and then Casey's on a roll tonight. Involuntary volunteers. Quote: You voluntarily took that COVID vaccine. Uh huh. Yeah. 
So I have this. This is not tonight's episode, but I I have a I have a thinking about how we're not going to end up with like big. Um, uh, we're still waiting. We're gonna but the you know but the truth is coming out and there's no uprising about it. Mm. We're, we're actually talking through. I think why it's it's not going to happen. Anyway, okay. So these volunteer these volunteers are giving their hearts to feed the sun. Why would they think this is the the reality? Right. Well, because as Gerard explains, they have myth, <laughs> or they have they have stories mm-hmm. about how this is necessary. And it's sort of like myths embody the, like we had myths about science and the necessity of following science and the consensus, consensus is huge here, right? It's like the scientific consensus says, well, okay, the myth says, um, and this is, this is actually in um, uh, the scapegoat. Uh, he's talking about the great American myth of self-sacrifice, the Aztec myth of the creation of the sun and the moon. Um, and this is the, 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 but both the sun and the moon come together in this story. Um, He's abbreviating it and it's still probably too long for me to read out in, in full. But so the gods come together. There's a, he's saying that in the mythologies, you have to understand there's always this kind of collective murder, but it's disguised mm-hmm. and divinized and the and the victims get are, are an interest. Anyway, so the gods all come together and they they realize that they don't they don't have any light for the world. And so they say, who's going to take it on? Who's going to be the the one that will who will take the burden of lighting the world um and it's going to be both the sun and the moon um but they they light a fire um that um they're going to basically sacrifice themselves into and um the gods arrange themselves on one side and one uh, and the other the fire the fire is getting very high and one of the gods tries to taxi te- Taku Siketekatol, the one who's going to be the sun god, but he's too scared. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other god, Nana, na, I can't, I should have practiced this, Nan Awatsen, um, jumps in. And when he jumps in, the moon jumps in, uh, the sun sees him, throws himself into the fire. And then after that, you have both the sun and the moon. Um, now, Gerard breaks this down, saying that the, the son doesn't can't do it until he sees some the other one do it, and then they're mim- he's mimicking mm-hmm. him and he jumps in. But what's interesting about this, from Gerard's perspective, is you've just read the description of a murder. But in the mythology, yeah. it's it comes out as oh the gods have done this and the gods are deciding this and the gods are going to do this and now in the in the in the fire, it says when Teku saw that Nana had cast himself into the flames and was burning. He gathered himself and threw himself into the fire. And it is said that an eagle entered the blaze and also burned itself. And for that reason, it has dark brown or blackened feathers. Finally, a tiger entered. It did not burn itself, but singed itself. And for that reason, remained stained black and white. And they say that after this, the gods knelt down to to wait to see where Nanu becomes sun would rise. Oh, I got them backwards. Sorry. And when the sun came to rise, he looked very red. He appeared to waddle from side to side, one side to the other. No one could look at him because he snatched sight from his eyes. He shone and cast rays of light from him in grand style. His light and his rays he poured forth in all directions, and thereafter the moon rose on the horizon. Having hesitated, Teku was less brilliant. Da, da, da. Okay, I got, I'm sorry. Guys, sorry, that's Nanu one that's the sun. Um, that 
in the mythologies and this this plays out in things like the the Assyrian mythologies and Marduk and stuff like that or Chrono mm-hmm. seeding his children and you have the gods being cut a, cut in pieces and scattered around or or you know the gods dying and then because what what Gerard hypothesizes is that all of these stories actually have at their core a collective murder of an innocent victim but the 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 significant thing about all of them is the group doesn't doesn't re, the group either make first makes the victim completely guilty and then makes the victim a god i think i've i've i fast forwarded a little bit that's not none of that's going to make sense yet rats sorry <laughs> i'm following i'm okay. following um All right. Okay. So we've got the victim who is scapegoated by the mob, by this particular group of people. Right. By being made guilty of whatever crime it is, who is murdered and then turned into a god, which is idolized. Right. That's the primary mechanism. The problem is what, what Gerard is doing and i think he's he's kind of it, it he's like he figured out this in the mythology stuff and i think that's in the first book i haven't read yet and we're obviously going to get to the gospels and say this is a similar story but it's completely different mm-hmm. that what is horrifying to recognize is that all human society seems to come out of this kind of collective activity and the collective activity mm-hmm. is centered on the identification of the one to blame for whatever bad thing is happening. The cro- the crops are failing. There's a plague. There's, you know, it's too much rain. One, what, what are the other? You're going to blame one, one yeah. person, kill them. Then whatever happens, I actually, I, I've, I've left out some steps. Sorry. Um, whatever happens afterwards, you know, it seems to be better. And so you repeat this ritually, right? This is how you end mm-hmm. up with rituals like we need to feed the the sun with the blood. I think I need to I need, I think I need to work us back a little more <laughs> through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. You've just described you've just described opioid addiction. Really? Okay. Say it that way. Maybe that yeah. that'll make more sense. Well, you have the repetition of the ritual that needs to happen in order for everything to be okay again. <laughs> And then what happens, especially, I mean, different drug addictions will have a similar thing, but I just, I know about opioids. Uh, So uh, the, the, the odd thing is like all of the trauma that would exist is subsumed in the, in the drug, which then becomes the focal point of everything. And so all of the, all of the many problems become one problem. Which is the drug that the the junk is addicted to. So instead of having this, uh, you know, in my experience of conversations with hardcore heroin addicts, it's that everything in life, everything that's going wrong, suddenly is that oh no, I'm addicted to heroin. If only I could get off heroin. When actually, it's not the problem. There are other problems there, but everything's poured into this syringe and it's subsumed by the by the opioid so the opioid takes on the scapegoat 
uh, role in the life of the heroin addicts. That's very interesting. And then there's the cult practice that develops around it. I mean, junkies all tend to look sort of similar after yeah. a while. You know, you'll see someone who's been on heroin for some time and they've got the look on their face. You can see it in their face. The physiology changes. So again, there's this kind of mimesis happening in the group of junkies mm. where they're all beginning to look the same. They kind of have a culture and the cult that surrounds this particular drug. And then heroin becomes a scapegoat. That's what you've just described to me in Aztec human sacrifice. That's kind of terrifying. As far as I know, Gerard did, never went there there with this theory. So I, I realized I needed to back up. So I, I spent all that time talking about mimesis and imitation and such. And to explain yeah. why you end up killing this other person as a group, this, this, this is where the, the tricky part comes in. It's saying, okay, so where does violence come from? Right, which is different from saying it's like you get it's like where did the addiction come from? Because the violence is a kind of addiction, I think, as you've just described it. Yes, which is yes. interesting. The thirst for blood. Right, but this is what. The, but the, Gerard's first step was trying to figure out where that violence came from. Right, it's like it's okay. We're going to make a scapegoat, and he's going to carry all our sins. And when he takes on all mm. those sins, then we'll all be better off. And and that to go to the to the the Gregory Mass the the here you know we see the the priests sacrificing um, the bread and the wine in front of an altar and in this particular iconography it's very strange and pretty horrifying for most modern viewers to look at because at the center of it is an image of you know it looks like Christ rising out of the tomb um, uh, with his wounds and the bleeding um, and he's surrounded by um, all of these other little objects, which are the the images of his torture, all right? So it's it's actually here we mm. have the the priest in in this one. It's Saint Gregory the Great in the story, but although this is a late medieval image, the story is associated with the earlier pope, and that he as he's celebrating the mass, um, they're they're showing in the iconography that the mass is somehow also this recapitulation of all the tortures that Christ experienced, that, that Jesus experienced. Mm -hmm. And when people look at that now, they tend to see, oh yeah, you're doing the same thing as those Aztec guys cutting this guy's heart out. It's just a torture scene. Right. So their interpretation is that we're preventing catastrophe via human sacrifice. Well, see, that's actually that's actually the simplest version. <laughs> um, and in fact, the one that gets you to multiculturalism is uh, a good thing because you just have different gods. Yeah, it's interchangeable. Doesn't matter who it is, you can change the change the image behind the sacrifice and it doesn't right. matter because the ritual's the same. That makes sense. And, and they're interchangeable. And let me see if I can put the, the it, it's taking me, it, trying to get these steps clear and then realizing, you know, the sort of, talk about the incarnational problem. And I'm trying to get you incarnationally tidily into this understanding that came to me in a flash when I started reading Gerard and realized that it, it was actually showing me things that I'd been trying to figure out for a long time. Guess what? This is how it works. 
um, that Gerard's first step was to try to figure out why the violence in the first place. Why do we end up fighting mm. at all? Why do we end up in the rivalries that we do that then escalate into the violence of team versus team, which is something of what we were talking about last time with the, the, the um, yes. pairs. Yeah, the twins. The twins. It's in fact, he argues, because we first imitate each other because we, you know, so we, we, we imitate each other. We learn to want things because the other wants the thing, right? So in the sun and the moon story, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's jumping into a fire and burning up, right? And at first the moon won't do it and then sees the sun go in and then the moon will go in. So even something like that, 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 that once we see, we see the, I think we did talk about this one last week too. We see the mask and, oh, I want a mask too. And it's illogical, but we've yeah. seen, you know, it's like you said, you know, we see yeah. this, this one person doing this thing and, and we want it to, you know, fashion, hair color, you know, sex change. I mean, it's it, the, this mimetic contagion is yeah. typical of humanity that will, we'll, we'll, and you know, it, it does explain culture because it's like culture is highly imitative. You're going to see one, you're going to see art forms. You're going to see behaviors and, and manners and customs and start imitating each other. So, so far sort of so good because at least that means we can, you know, collect together and, and act together in certain kinds of, recognizable behaviors the the problem yes. starts when one person sees something that they want that another person has and uh you know a, a beautiful woman who you covet as a wife a cow that you covet um a house a co yes. covet this is why gerard says the ten command ten commandment is actually the most important because it's the one that says thou shalt not do this <laughs> thou shalt not mm. covet the things your neighbor has because in fact and this is then where gerard is starting to explain the the spiraling violence it's the coveting of what the neighbor has that spirals into the violence that ends up with the scapegoat killed under a pile of rocks Mm. I can I can unpack that one a little bit more too, <laughs> but it's, it's yeah I think you're gonna but need it's to. like it's like that it's like so all human society says for it starts with they start imitating each other we start behaving together but at certain some point things become a scandal to us and he also talks a lot about the stumbling block the scandal the wanting right and I think the best example that he gives mm -hmm. is when Peter in the gospel says to Jesus. Um, you know, you're the Christ, and therefore, you know. Should I now? What else does he say? And and Peter and and Je, and Jesus says to Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan." What's the Satan? What has Peter just become for Christ? And it's Gerard explains a stumbling block that Satan manifests as scandal, manifests as the stumbling block that Peter, in mm -hmm. seeing Jesus as potentially the leader of this big movement that they're going to have big, you guys better be listening. Don't be this mm. right. Peter, if, if Jesus had said to Peter, you're right, I am. What would have happened was a spiraling rivalry and we would have no church because instead of Peter being the rock, he ends up denying Christ and that matters too. Um, Jesus would have fed the mimetic rivalry and Peter would have wanted to become the leader next. Wow. Have we seen this anywhere? <laughs> 
just once or twice. Constantly, <laughs> even in this community recently, right? That 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 the, the, there's no. a desire for the same object in this, you know, being the Messiah, and that the way Jesus answers Peter is the only way you can do it. Is saying get the scandal if you if you if you stumble over that mutually desired thing, the scandals are going to build and build and build and build and build. And then what you end up with mm. is this intolerable situation where it's it's just going to spiral into worse and worse and worse violence. This makes sense. So the so Christ responds to Peter in this way and says, "Get behind me, Satan!" Because otherwise, his mission becomes a revolutionary movement instead of salvific. Right. And then it would actually start to look like the Aztec pyramid human sacrifices. It would look exactly like it. Yeah. It would look exactly like it. Because we'd have to go running around plucking out all of the uh, the Pharisees and the Zealots and anyone in the opposing teams, the Sadducees, the Essenes, you know, anybody that was not quite right and not in lockstep would need to be completely uh, violently opposed because. Uh, yeah. Do you see why I suddenly went, oh my gosh, it's all here. Yeah. Okay. So you've got yeah, the yeah, mimesis, yeah, yeah. which is human and, and, and necessary. The rivalry, because we desire similar objects, and and you know the the you know coveting seems to be a, a you know a, it's like the negative side of the of the mimesis that we end up coveting the things and 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 that mm -hmm. Gerard also explains that the things we only desire things that we see other people having. We learn to we learn what to want by watching other people, and so we start wanting the same things. Those rivalries spiral up, and this the the scandal comes when. Um, you know, Satan is the 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 desire, the accuser, the desire for the desired, and and these things spiral up, and you end up in this spiraling potential for violence, which and the and then the the sort of magical step, this transcendent step that takes place, until interestingly, you end up with some kind of marginal person. The the uh, the Oedipus example is really strong for Gerard that he's. Um, lame right so because he had his feet stuck together when he was a baby so he he's lame and he's also recognized in the myth as being responsible for parasite and incest right he kills his father and marries his mother and he then is recognized as responsible for the plague right so you, you get one of these characters these these mm -hmm. or like in the in the sun and moon story um the the sun wobbles Right. Or say this, this like so you could what Gerard argues you can see in these stories the despised crippled beggar, lowly outsider or something, or Dionysius, right? It works in the Bacchae too. That suddenly you see that the group sees a character that can become the demon, become responsible for all this bad stuff that's happening, which is in fact happening because of the rivalries, the scandal and the rivalries mm -hmm. that have been all escalating. And we've seen this happen. It happens with mobs. It's lynching, right? You find that victim, mm -hmm. you all focus on it. It's like common enemy, right? So we're all going to focus on that common enemy, kill it. And in killing it, 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 it ended up in pyramids of stones because stoning was a collective way of doing, doing this, right? Throw the rocks at the, at the demon. 
the demon dies and then oh pieces come but it's 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 sort of it's become because you've just engaged in this collective activity of murder so the so the there's this vortex of mimetic rivalry that builds up so this is the image that i put right. in my mind and then this has to go somewhere it has to be directed somewhere otherwise it can't dissipate it's just going to keep building and building and building and building so the crowd finds the focal point for it to uh, direct all of this um, intense energy of rival rivalry onto. And once it's done, then the vortex dissipates, which is why the crowd are satisfied and they can declare peace. Right. Mm. Yeah, this makes sense. But of course, the rivalries are going to come back because people are like that, and you're going to have to do it again. This is drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is you're describing drug oh, addiction. Man. Yeah. Yeah, the itch it 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 it's never quite permanently scratched. Yeah. 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 The whole ritualized experience of the trauma vortex that comes up and then builds and builds and builds and builds until you're it's loud and screaming and you need something to direct it all to yep. in order for that energy to dissipate again, even momentarily. You're describing drug addiction. It is, it's, it, I thought we were doing drugs next week. Okay. So <laughs> on the stream, on the my stream. Been in this space for a little yeah. while. And I'm not sure we're going to get to my green screen examples today for what we see in the invisible, but, um, okay. So the, I mean, it, it, what, what, what Gerard, I'll go back to the, the, the Aztec sacrifice. What, what Gerard is describing is the way in which this kind this kind of addictive violence, violence is addictive in human society. And that culturally mm. each culture is defined by its particular sacrifice. I mean, like not, not, not its method or something like that, but that cultures develop mm. around, and this is what polytheism is. It's like all these murders and that that in in the way gerard tells it that each you know each i guess each city would be founded on a murder he talks about uh rome right i started in my in my opening tonight talking about the ides of march right and the, the roman empire is founded very clearly on one of these collective murders shakespeare does it right that that the the senators come together and kill caesar together in the in the senate house and that in fact all subsequent uh, you know, Caesar was a family name <laughs> and all subsequent emperors are Caesar, right? It's like they, they all become, and then Caesar himself, Julius Caesar is divinized, right? All the, the emperors are divinized after that. Mm -hmm. And it, and Gerard says it's, it's coming out of this mechanism of the, the victim is transcendent and becomes divinized because of the effect of that collective murder of him, that collective murdering of the victim is the, the sense that you get that, 
that person was a god. I, I this I find very like creepy and weird, and maybe we want to talk about that a little bit because I'm I'm not sure what the Aztec sacrifices. They saw these people as as divinized. I mean, they eat them. They roll their body. I mean, it's in the movie, right? They roll their bodies down the the the, the, yeah. the steps, which is part of it, I think. And then they chop their leg, the limbs off, and eat them. Um, but the, but they are sort of like with the this mass partaking of the the of the the victim and taking his energy, taking his his strength, participating in the strength mm. with the the sun. I think. Well, they're cannibalizing the uh the trait of the of the scapegoat which is that the scapegoat has been the repository of the collective violent uh violence so there's an energy there that goes into the scapegoat it's dissipated from the crowd because it's redirected and put into the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. So then cannibalizing the scapegoat means that you're taking in all of the energy. I mean, it sounds crazy, but like, this is what they seem to be doing. Taking a little piece of it, which is essentially like eating the heroism or this false heroism of the scapegoat and that they've, uh, endured this experience of, mm. of uh, of receiving the the violence of the crowd because none of the other none of the other people have done it only the scapegoat so it makes sense that the crowd then fetishizes the scapegoat because they've done something that no one in the crowd has been willing to do and uh, until that point they haven't been the scapegoat themselves so this monster takes on a trait which is godlike because they've been raised they've they've been raised to a position above the mob in being killed by the mob this makes perfect sense they have something the mob doesn't have which is that they've been initiated into the experience of being a scapegoat already i'm not sure this if is making a lot sense. of sense this is very good yeah so eating them is cannibalizing that trait as a kind of preventative vaccine, if you will, <laughs> against, against this mob violence. Yes. I'll eat the I'll eat the idol oh god, yes. lowercase G, who who could do what I have not been able to do in order to protect me from the thing that I am am most scared of, which is this mob violence. Wow. And we will deify this this monster mm. well i started thinking about george floyd <laughs> appropriate I, I did a little bit of googling and there were a few people that had written mm -hmm. about renee Girard and george floyd back in 2020 but that that one of the one of the interesting things about him Okay, so one, I was thinking, why did that work so powerfully in the summer of 2020? So that we had riots and marches and fires. Mm. I mean, this sort of collective violence that was unleashed on the United States and around the world um, yeah. because of his death fit all of the things that Gerard was describing about what happens when the mob kills the, the victim. 
Um, yes. And and one thing was, and this maybe will help because the myth, the, not everybody knows the myths, but we all know what happened with with Floyd, and that he, you know, in the in subsequent, and it sort of split in the political thing as, oh no, you know, he had put a gun to his pregnant girlfriend's head or something like that. And he was a drug user and he was known to the police for all the, he got piled with all of the crimes, all of the sins, all of the monster yes. monstrosities. Right. So he was definitely, I mean, this was what the, 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 the public didn't know that before he died, but it certainly learned that after. So he, he carried the scapegoat character of the monster and then it's like I got my artwork all wrong tonight. Never mind. Um, that he um, ended up in it, it, like divinized in art, right? That there are murals and statues yes. and you know movies and it's like all he he got he got divinized in the way that we divinize, which is m images spread all all around the world, everywhere. Yes. And then everybody was marching in his name as the you know so this this is where we're, we we live in a post gospel moment where we can see the scapegoats as innocent thanks to christ which is a, jumping ahead a bit but what one of the things that gerard says is very very important to recognize but on the other hand i think floyd did also play the character he played the character of the old pre-christian scapegoat too in the sense that he uh, he fed the son of America. Yeah. Now that's interesting. We think everything got because set it's on an fire. Economic mechanism. Yeah. It's an economic me mechanism. So, you have to invigorate the society via these sacrifices. I'm 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 wondering what happened after George, George Floyd's death. There were riots. There was, I mean, you know, I can't work in linear, so I'm like, <laughs> that's okay. We're not doing linear tonight. We we ended up in the mythological, okay, just good. like we Thank were supposed you. to. <laughs> and I will tell you guys, we'll come back <laughs> to it. We'll, in the lounge of mythos. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll come back to it because I had this whole thing about how how. How do we see through the St. Gregory Mass iconography to the invisible? I'm not sure we're going to get there. Let's work on this for a bit. Okay. Okay. Well, he had, I mean, Floyd had to reveal something invisible. Right. This is what they're doing as well, right? So it's like he reveals the invisible sins of the, of the, of the oh, crowd, of the society, yes. because no one's talking until suddenly someone dies. And then suddenly everybody's talking. What are they talking about? They're talking about the collective sins of the group. That have been heaped on this one person and the euphemism that everyone used was of course white supremacy the specter mm. of white supremacy that was lingering everywhere right but i think it was more than that too i think it was much more than that i i think that's so this is this is part of why i think that's why we're not seeing riots now even though people are very clear about things about like mm. the damage that had been done with the vaccines and and we yes. keep talking about how oh you know there will be riots and they're not right and you could say all right so yep. the the floyd riots the blm riots were engineered by actors who you know 
set up marches and, and things like that and fed into it. But I, you know, yes, I think that probably brick making companies. Yeah. You know, I, I saw bricks on the sidewalk today. No, I think they were just you know redoing somebody's driveway, but um, that doesn't explain why it worked. Right. There's always, you know, we have regular efforts yeah. to have parades and rallies and, you know, collect together and we'll, you know, we're all going to, it doesn't always work. And this, and, you know, summer 2020 and the, allegedly the height of the plague. How, how cool is that? Right. It's like plague, COVID pandemic, giant scapegoat rallies the same yeah. summer. Hmm. Well, he, the, the, uh, in, in my current understanding of this, for, for him to have been scapegoated, he has to have revealed something to the crowd about the thing that they don't want to really acknowledge, which is their own particular sins or their own monstrosities. Right. I think we're confusing our chat. Let me say. So, Annie, um, along with COVID, it was a demand for cult, the white people being forced to kneel. Yes. So let's, I, let, let's, let's, since we ended up here and that this is a good place, let me tell you what else I was thinking about Floyd. So I think, I think okay. one of the things that happened is we, that I didn't watch this video, but everybody else did, that people watched him die. Oh, right? God. And that, 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 what, does isn't that interesting it's one of the it's like why floyd from all of the other you know how many i would have to google it or look it up right now it's like how many people have died in chicago of gunshots and you know accidents yeah. and it's like we're you know we're, we're going for a record year thanks mayor lightfoot uh, she's not gonna be mayor anymore because everybody got upset with and that's not, the thing is that she's not being scapegoated she's being voted out right so it's, 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 yes. it's not, I think it, it's not just that he died and it's not just that he died in custody with the police. I think it was as much the, that everybody saw it. It was, it was filmed. filmed. Mm. And that, that, so, you know, how would you end up with a collective scapegoat in a, com in a context in which the entire world, it's like, we're not just one city throwing rocks at a person who's wandered into the walls. It's the entire no. world watched it. So everybody who watched that video participated in his murder. Mm. And that's, I think, probably one of the things that triggered the whole mechanism. Because it became a collective murder because everybody watched it. And then they were part of it. They were part of the mob who killed him. This makes sense. Even if they hadn't, I, I mean, because if they'd been there physically, they would have had the choice to prevent the murder. But because they're looking at a recording, they're looking at the streamed version of the murder. They don't have the right. choice. This is why they're rioting. Maybe. I mean, they, they, they had it's the choice not to violence. watch, but everybody watched. Yes, everybody watched. But it's not the same thing because if you're watching some crime that's happening in front of you, you have a different set of choices, mm. which is I can step in physically to prevent this from happening. So this explains it's a different kind of trauma. You're seeing something happening that you're 
physically powerless to affect. Well, the thing about the you know the collective murder in the the sacrifice is the the the, the mob goes along with it. Um, I th so I think that the, the going along with it in this context is you watch that video, mm. and okay. you, you sort of allowed yourself to watch that murder, and then you become part of it. And that that in in Gerard's understanding, mm -hmm. it's like once the mob is participated in this consensus of, of focusing on the, the the victim, it I mean one it does it creates a kind of unanimity of the crowd because you've all participated in this this murder. I think that the sort of liturgy as participation is really critical here that you're participating in yes. this this one event. That's why watching mass on live stream didn't work. <laughs> Although this did, right? Watching Floyd die did somehow collectively fuse everybody who watched it into a community. But it was a pre-murder. It was the murder before the vortex. Because people are rioting. People rioted the way everyone expects them to riot because of the COVID, uh, the COVID mandates and the destruction that the mandates had on civilization right Everyone they're not going to i don't think they're going to they've already done it by protesting floyd's death so this is it's being flipped yes i think it's been flipped there's something that's been flipped yeah um i i think that the vaccination and being marked or unmarked i mean all of the pressure that followed after look, think about what happened after the riots right that was what was strange about them all these marches and everything in in the summer of 2020 big collective activity allegedly in the in the midst of this rapidly spreading there were no vaccines at that point yes i think it was all of those marches somehow that made the rest of it happen that then everybody stayed inside and stayed locked down and stayed you know and then it spiraled into the mimicry of the masks and the lockdowns and the wanting the vaccine and it was the right. taking of the vaccine that made you participate in that somehow interesting okay so there's another piece i think we're starting to get enough of the pieces that maybe my one moment understanding of gerard is starting to play out linearly although chat we may need to help you ask you ask whether what didn't make sense yet um oh no i forgot what i was saying uh the flash getting to the i linear. got i got to that yeah but there was another piece that i was starting to see uh, this is you're you're, get, you're learning what it's like living in both of our heads tonight, right? It's like Rachel going, "Oh my gosh, it's all there!" <laughs> How hard I have to work to put things out in, in in linear order so that you can actually understand what I'm seeing. Kilts is even worse. Incarnated, yeah. <laughs> Incarn <laughs> Kilts seasoned pigeon. Come on, she seasoned you know, like the, the 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 Holy Spirit flash of gifts all at one time. <laughs> everything everywhere all at once <laughs> um, so casey's asking are you saying the the vaccine was a sacrament i think so but we need to unpack exactly how oh now i remember thank you okay so what what no this is this is very interesting this is another piece of the the riots and the marches and the the, the what the crowd needs that the mimetic rivalry creates likeness it creates a lack of difference Right, so we'll go back to our our salvific mm -hmm. satanic satanic salvific. The problem 
Gerard theorizes in this, this, he's like, why do we spiral up into the violence at some point? It's because in fact, the community is experiencing too much sameness. Mm. I mean, to a certain extent that the rivalries have all focused on the same object. And so everybody's, you know, like triggered to fight very easily. But, and this, this is where I, I, I'm always thinking in terms of the Dr. Seuss story of the, the Sneetches with the stars on their tummies. Right, you st you start off with the situation where only the the star t the star-bellied sneeches have high status, and the not star-bellied sneeches have mm -hmm. low status, and then this guy comes along with a machine that can put stars on their tummies, and then there's no star, and then everybody has stars, at which point the star-bellied sneeches want to get theirs taken off, so they get theirs taken off, and then it's more high status to have uh, no, and then they switch back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and at the end, who knows, right? <laughs> now that that's the hopeful version of social. I guess social piece, but realizing that I think what calmed everybody down is we're now differentiated into vaccinated and not. <laughs> That's why we're not going to have riots now, because we've actually been redifferentiated. We've made distinctions. Yep. That's fascinating. So what's weird, it's like there was all this pressure to all become the same. And some of us refused. And then yep. everything's calming down. And those of us who refused the pressure to all become the same are sitting there going, why aren't you guys upset? It's like, yep, because there's nothing to be upset about now. There's there, and, 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 and since there's no, there's no mimetic rivalry fueling anything in the way that there was in summer 2020 and this is i'd say uh now we've got mel going boom shakalaka floating no more woo woo yeah it's all woo woo we, just, we live in the woo woo um yes yeah but so the, the the we're still not to christ that's okay <laughs> but the the mechanisms that gerard is describing do seem to be accurately observed which is what matters mm -hmm. for the understanding of human um, dynamics. Well, this explains the language around whites versus people of color. Oh. Well, white is nothing. It's no distinction. It's monochromatic. And people are obsessed with pox because everybody wants to be of color, meaning they want distinction. They want color, meaning they want the spectrum split. They want white split up into the, the spectrum of you know, colors. Da, 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 da. So Floyd dies. Everyone's rallying against white supremacy. <gasps> but they're rallying against the homogenization <laughs> of, uh, of the Enlightenment culture. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's because they want to be colored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, we're we're all just we're just gonna sit everything. here going whoa for the moment. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have a tribe in white. We don't. That's you don't a, have tribal right. distinctions in white. You're just all Aztecs. Okay, one, well, we're all empire, right? Yes. Which is bad. Well, I mean, so this, this is interesting. We have to be Christian, otherwise we end up with the spiraling violence. We, we, we'll get to that sometime. Um, yeah. but what you've just described is, I, I do think this is, yes, people were 
I think you're right that people were upset about not being able to be something. Like anything. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually, I, I was walking, walking around the neighborhood today and saw what looked like a little elf. Her hair was beautifully blue, right? <laughs> She's walking home with her dad from school and I'm like, with like eyeliner that would rival yours, right? And I think she's like 12 or something. And Aww. and you say, yes. And, and so you look at, I, I, that's what it, it's like, the, the hair colors and the makeup and the clothes and stuff. Like, of course people are, it's like what Marshall McLuhan, may he rest in peace, um, pointed out even in the 60s of the, what he called the um, international mufti, mufti. It was like, Oh yeah, this like I wear everything from everywhere. everything from everywhere, and everybody wanted to be all yeah. colored and like I I'm a hippie. Come on, I may wear the same thing every day on these live streams, but that's because you know my autism it helps me to get into the mood. Um, that that you know the desire to be in the color and the light and the rainbow. We've we've talked about that, and yes, yes. that 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 Floyd people wanted to be in the rainbow. They wanted to be in those parades and marching and. I, I still haven't put together why the, the COVID vaccines gave them the satisfaction of being in the rainbow. That's eluding me still. Well, you get the distinction without having to leave the empire. This is the sprout of a thought right now. It's more of an intuition than anything. Mm. But in... Because what has happened to us here is that we have this uncomfortable relationship with Australia as a thing because the founding the founding murder of Australia isn't on home soil. So we have a very unstable relationship to the identity of being Australian. So we're very sensitive to what's happening in America. Whatever gets broadcast from America comes here. We're very sensitive to it because we right. don't have our own founding mythology keeping us cohesive yet, except if you're a wog, because then we've got Christ. But pouring everybody into multiculti, it all starts to look the same because it's interchangeable. Like how you were saying before, you know, people not being able to see the difference between this Aztec pyramid and the mass. Mm -hmm. Just pouring people in and then being told, oh, it's fine, we're multicultural, we're multicultural, everything's okay. Actually, what that does is it creates this uh, tension because everything's equivocated. So this is the vortex. It's like there is a rivalry because we're constantly being told in being multicultural that everybody's equal. Mm -hmm. It's yes. the inversion of the language in saying we're multicultural, but there is no multi. There's no multi anything. Right. There's no multiplicity. Everything's equivocated, which means it's all the same thing. It's just repackaged, rebranded. However, you want to particularly do the same thing. So people are being told this over and over and over and over again in Western multicultural environments. That would explain the vortex. They're becoming white by being put into multiculturalism. It actually, <laughs> it actually takes away. I know this is going to no, sound it's so it nuts. Makes total like, sense. They don't want to be white. They want to be. Colored. They don't want to be white. They want to be colored, yeah. which is healthy. 
but because of the category category language that we're using people don't know how to verbalize what they're actually saying so they're going on white supremacy what they're actually fighting against is being homogenized in this uh this soup of whatever you call it that's the mimetic rivalry when people wanted the distinction yes yeah and that's so, so casey's saying the covid vaccines gave them belonging to something a group yes but we're trying to understand the the sacrifice at the center of the group now that i figured out and that we're now talking about the floyd sacrifice was critical in what just we just all just lived through mm -hmm. and that it was at the beginning of whatever we've just this crisis that we've been through and it's like it always seemed dissociated from it but i think it's totally part of it it it's also mm -hmm. the reason i i'm still i mean it's like everybody loves making predictions if i get to make if if we if we get to play profit although recognizing the profits um end up in the in the bible being the ones that turn into the scapegoats <laughs> I'm not sure we want that, but, um, you know, I we'll, we'll get a big following if I'm right about this. Nothing's going to happen because somehow you could, I could feel in 2020 what Gerard was, these medic rivalries spiraling up and I wouldn't have put the name, that name on them at the time. I, I, I've been since then subsequently recognized people wanted, needed the differentiation within the internet. I mean, we were getting multicultural yes. so that we were all white. But we were also getting homogenized yes. on these giant social media platforms like Facebook yeah. and Twitter and such. And people didn't actually want to be all on the same platform. They wanted to be differentiated into meaningful communities. Yeah. Which the marching in the streets, I think the marching in the streets made you at least part of your city. Right. You 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 march through you march physically. The BLM marches were interesting. You march physically through the streets of your own city. Yeah, so you're physically present. Yes, in the geography of your hometown and offline. Right. They needed to protest to get off the internet. They were. It was a collective logging off. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. And then this could this could so the opposite side. I did a a post on masks, and I used all the bitmojis that I had of myself in masks. The masks, in fact, hmm. gave everybody difference because you wore different masks. <laughs> they all started wearing like brand colors. Yeah. Yeah, it was an accessory. But it was like I. So here's here's our big my big mask theory now. I think that you you were wearing hmm. something. You, every well. I don't have mine to hand, right? That I wore these belly dancer masks and I realized I liked them because they moved, right? So the the thing I disliked about the the masks for most people is they were static, right? They were just a, the, the, the mm -hmm. as you we were saying, the mimesis is erased because yes. your face is covered yes. in that, that muffling way. And I like my belly dancer mask because the beads move. And so you get this feeling of, you get this sensation of, of life with the, so everybody, if you're going to wear masks, at least have beads. Um, but that, you know, people became very, I think they become very attached to the mask because it gave them a, um, a belonging. It's livery. It's, it's, it's mm. colors. 
it's gave them the colors that they wanted to participate in. And in my, gang colors. they gave them gang colors. And in the, in the post that I did yeah. on, I can't remember if it was to mask. Or, no, it wasn't to mask or not to mask. It was the other one. Um, I'm using all my bitmojis with all these different colored masks that the, 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 the app would re- generate for your face and, and mm-hmm. sort of saying, I get this, right. It's, it's, it's as you and I've just been, it's wanting to be in the light in the color taking on the color of all of it's yeah. like and they were coloring their faces in effect mm. so it's kind of the so that that effect is kind of like being on the internet and not homogenized by it it's the resistance yes. to internetization it, curiously yes mm. And and that we so we started we started maybe we can bring this round to a like coherent theme. Um, I made a cover for tonight's and I have to make a completely different one. Uh, that 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 uh, we're we're in the mimesis and we're wanting to imitate. And the problem, of course, of being on the internet is you're an avatar. I mean, yes. in, in Facebook, you. I mean, I, I, what I I initially saw the masking as like people putting the 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 filters on their faces on Facebook which is part of it, right? It's branding you into a, into a group, but, but there's also the sort of loss of your face, the degree to which it is out here in the internet projected into the, the digital constantly. And the fit, the, the mask, at least mm-hmm. physical, you were protected, right? I think they were, their protection against a lot of this. Yeah, well, it's like uh, Michael Jackson started to mask probably as the effect of having been paparazzi to death, you know, right. the constant stealing of your image. The only way of guarding that uh, is by covering covering up. People can't get you when you've got something across your face in that way. Mm. So they're hiding their, they're hiding their identity to preserve it. Right. In this constant loss of it. Uh, mm. And interestingly enough, again, you and I have talked about this. It's like we're trying to develop manners for all of these different e-duchies. Yes. What happened after in 2020 was the global e-world shattered into all of these locals. I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, my, my, my theory of the, the lockdowns too, I think people actually wanted to stay home because mm. they were, I mean, I, I had that experience to a certain extent I'd been traveling a lot for fencing tournaments and conferences and this, and, you know, my first experience on, on the getting lockdown was, Ooh, I can play with my blocks now. <laughs> Ooh, and I can make all these token yeah. videos, right? It's like, it was, it was like a relief from, and, and people have said this, right. You know, now you know, it's hard for people to go yes. back out into the world and be, you know, in, in social contact with people, but that there was that, that, that the, whatever Floyd was the sacrifice for I, this spiraling rivalry of sameness, I think was a lot of it. Mm. It makes sense. No, that that makes sense. It's the spiraling rivalry, the spiraling rivalry, trying to break out of white supremacy, which in the Duradian world, or the Duradian way of thinking about it, is sameness. Right. 
the the spiraling yeah. rivalry is sameness and that's what the, the yeah. he he's writing in the 90s about this a lot and he's saying you know the deconstructionists are all into difference right they're all into <laughs> he has some great stuff about how silly the post-structural the structuralists are um or whatever who you know these french theorists right because he's french but he's he's largely working in the united states as a scholar and yeah. you know that the, 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 they're missing the point that what human you know, hum, human beings do is is their rivals their their the violence develops out of likeness not out of difference mm. and and once you say that it seems like perfectly obvious so you say so that we'd say the the founding the founding myth of all all cultures all civilizations gerard says if you look at it you'll find a collective murder in there somewhere and that goes to what he says happens in the Cain and Abel story, right? That Cain is the founder of cities, mm -hmm. but he's murdered Abel, right? So the founding of a city is some, it's it's the this collective coming together to throw out the the demon, then makes the, you know, the city have a, a, a transcendent understanding of itself as a collective, and that transcendence gives birth to the divinity. The deification of the scapegoat. Right. Hmm. Which goes back to the Osiris thing. Right. Yes. Yep. The murder is the primary, um, the primary myth. Yep. It makes sense. So, so biblically we have Cain and Abel. And this is why, I mean, a lot of the conversations we've had in the chat too is with uh, people who are argue, arguing against urban environments and arguing against cities because Cain was the one that built the city and he was evil and he was the manslayer. Right. So, I mean, that make, it makes sense to argue that. The problem is that we are inherently city dwellers and we are looking forward to the heavenly Jerusalem. So the issue isn't necessarily cities are evil. It's that this mechanism is human from the beginning. Right. The mechanism of murder as the as a civilization uh, cornerstone, right, which reveals more about us as human beings than it does necessarily about the city itself. The city being the reflection of us, our violent tendencies needing that violent unity in order to stay cohesive. Right. That comes. So we have Casey saying melting pot is the term you're looking for. Yes, I think everybody blended together. Melting pot is all, you know, gray, I suppose. Nobody brown when dragged through the mud, Lodi says. Um, <laughs> yes, bishops could see 19 facts be considered a baptism. Interliminal space under control of the priests emerged, changed. Yeah, so I this is not where we'd planned to go with tonight's stream, which is fine. No, we're streaming. We're streaming under <laughs> under the, the the pressure of of understanding the sacrifice. Um, I think we need to work through the sacrament part of this. Right, right now we're just getting the collective murder as the foundation of culture, civilization, ethnos, and mm -hmm. um, the way in which we've actually experienced it ourselves in the world recently mortloaf bear says interesting stream thank you thank you mortloaf bear um okay so i had another thought to, that we needed to pull in the founding of cities the collective the canaan able 
Well, there is the revelation, which is what I was I was aiming at, and we don't have time to work through, but maybe I can hint at. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe actually all my slides come in the last 10 minutes. That's okay too. Um, so no, but, but the thing is this, this is actually the way it's been for me. It's like wrestling with this. I've thought mm -hmm. a lot about the Aztec sacrifices because on a regular basis, I teach Bernal Diaz's conquest of Mexico along with De Las Casas's brief history of the Indies. So understanding the, the, the one, the reality of these sacrifices and then seeing them, you know, in this juxtaposition with this, Aztec image with the feathers that was sent to the Pope of the mass of St. Gregory. And it's like, what are we seeing actually in, in this, this iconography? I think it was Kiltz when you were saying something about what is, what, what is revealed to us in this, the moment of the sacrifice, what's mm -hmm. revealed in the, in the, the, the norm, the, I say the normative and you say polytheist because every city has its own deity because they're yes. all founded on these these collective murders, different monsters. They're different monsters, and and yeah. the, and the I mean I I I think this is all going to be in violence in the sacred. I need to read his actual like breakdown of the different myths. He kind of assumes it in the later stories in scapegoat and things that all viol you know all mythology is here. And I'm like, will you please give me some examples? Um, that there's monsters. You know, they're all monster slayers too. So I think the there's a you know the monster slayer as the founding the founding person of the city then monster hero is is a pair that's necessary there as well mm. and and christ is the you know sort of the i don't think i can unpack this in 10 minutes we just just okay. to leave it. we have to hold it <laughs> <laughs> any saint cities are of god yes but so the, okay i think that this is no this is maybe what's like the the myth, the the feeling of this collective reality. That's what that. Let, let's talk about that for the last yeah. little bit here, because that I think is what is so mysterious, and it's 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 vexed social scientists since there was social science about hundred years ago. I, you know, again, Gerard is he's making fun of all the social scientists, saying, you know, don't you realize that religion is at the center of of all human human society where did he get this i'm flipping through my book right now well it's a collective reality it's a shared story to cultivate people if you don't share the story you don't share the reality like the uh, the Jim Bob cartoon that we showed last week in the stream mm. with the, the girl in the Disney outfit and the, the little girl holding the Bible and right the the child in the Disney outfit is saying to her oh you know my mom says you've been indoctrinated different doctrine different reality so we have to have a shared story. So I think I, it's not just the shared story, it's that shared activity. It, it's the actual mm -hmm. transcendence of the mob. Participating in the story right. <laughs> through violent murder. Right. Mm. 
and so once you, once you start thinking this way, you start realizing what it's like so to be in this mob that goes after the victim. The victim becomes to the, to the mob a monster who, mm. de who deserves to die because the monster has carried all of this evil. The mm. mob kills the monster. The monster is because they, they've acted together. I mean, what I, I keep thinking is like it's it's the chimpanzees killing <laughs> in a group, right? That the collective collective yeah. murder is going to be frenzied. It's bacchic. It's you know the Dionysian ripping apart of of um, the king of thieves, whose name I'm forgetting. Mm -hmm. um, it, and um, e. Michael Jones uses that story a lot to say, you know, this is this is what the the sort of lack of restraint right the lack of restraint looks like it's horror but gerard would be mm -hmm. saying it's like well this is actually what created the the feeling of common activity it's like the mm. the source of the transcendence is what we're struggling for right now that feeling of divinity of being of reality outside of the material and Gerard dances around this a lot. I think we've actually gotten closer to it talking about it tonight than he, maybe he has for me so far. But he's saying it's 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 this transcendence. It's just transcendent. Maybe you don't get it unless you've been on that march down the street about you know this horrible villain that you've been targeted against. Something like that. It's it's. Well, you're you're participating in the mythology. So you don't get it until you participate in the mythology, which is an argument for liturgy, right. which is we, goes goes back to where we were starting out, trying to explain why the scholastics talking ah, about the Trinity yes. is different to the liturgical understanding of God because it's experiential. So trying to explain why this thing happened is not the same as going in the march through the city and having the same collective experience with everyone else chasing the monster. One's liturgical. And it's the living participation in the mythology that makes the difference. That's why they transcend. Because they're eating the scapegoat. And then there's a connection with the idolatry, the connection with the deified monster, personally. Then there's the cult. Does it make sense? Oh yeah, I think like, we just stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, I didn't want to stop because you kept, yes, something like that's it, right? And that... So this is this is where I'm constantly. So it was surreal to me. I think maybe I was actually sort of mentioning this to you before we started. But I'm trying to write an academic paper right now, a revised one that I gave last summer, which is mm -hmm. about the difference the difference between um, law and and grace, or like the presence of grace in law, which is complicated and and challenging for me. And I was asked to do it because it's like Mary is called advocate, and what does that mean? He's like, where's grace in that? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain this because I didn't know what to think about it. I didn't say, well, do you mean mercy? And the person who was asking me is like, no, 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 grace. This, and I, I'm starting to actually just this week 
to get, I think what she was trying to get me to say was something about that presence of the divine in the moment mm. when in, in a law court, it's like, you know, the judgment that I think the judgment needs grace as well as the mercy. We always think mercy is the grace thing, but I think it's the truth coming through mm. somehow. And what I came up with last summer when I gave the talk was, well, okay, we usually in our scholarly context, we study law as a text, we study prayer as texts. And insofar as we study them as texts, we can never seem to find the thing that is the motivating reality. It, it's, it's always elusive. It's always outside of, oh, the text. And then, and then of course, I read a lot of McLuhan and I, I came up with last summer, the medium, right? That the, the context in which Mary is called advocate is always a song. It's the Salve Regina. Mm -hmm. And I found almost no scholarship either on the Salve Regina as a text or, you know, medieval commentaries on the Salve Regina. Lots and lots and lots of musical settings and miracle stories about it being sung. And then I'm like, okay, dokie. <laughs> we're, we're in that. I mean, so I, I think as an antidote to the mob, it's the, it's the song, it's the singing. So I was, yeah. I was very interested that you started tonight with saying it's different. It's like, it's not the musical score that's written down. It's the music that you're participating yes. in. And we have now at least set the stage for your being now curious about why we need liturgy <laughs> and it, that, it's, <laughs> that it's participatory in this way. It is, I, I think the singing liturgy is sung in the proper sense. And that the singing is a different kind of engagement from logical debate or logical argument, which makes it true in a in a way that's gr like grounded more powerfully than any dialectical argument is going to hmm. be. Maybe for most people, I think sometimes dialectical arguments can have this participatory feeling, but only when you're actually doing them. I, I maybe this is maybe so. One, you 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 pointed out that the ortho bro community tends to like those scholastic debates. Guess how they're doing them? Online together, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ritually. <laughs> I think the debates are a ritual too. And th that's yep. why they're so compelling for them. It's not because they're making good arguments. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it's because you wanted the ritual. You wanted to be in it. Yeah. You wanted to be in the stream. Yeah. Got to get high. Got to get high. Yeah. We will teach you how in subsequent episodes. <laughs> <laughs> aren't you glad you joined us on the ark tonight we went so far away from where we planned we had it. no we god we actually had a plan and the and the ship just sailed off into sacrifice yeah so i'm looking at the chat now and saying they're saying is bear armstrong is this another hermeneutics debate hermit no because <laughs> i actually do hermeneutics and so i know what the difference is not a debate for Hermes Armstrong locked in. I'm different. Okay, I think they're fine. Loading there. Can you get there okay. without the Hebrew history? No. We will talk about this more next no. time on the Mosaic Arc. Join us on Unauthorized TV, on YouTube, in our podcast form, in our multi 
incarnational Trinitarian digital sensorium. Thank you for joining us. Good night.